Good evening. Today is the day. Well, tonight is the night, I should say, at this point. 7 p.m. Friday, May 27th, on this Memorial Day weekend. This hot weekend. Beautiful weekend, really. Summer's here. Um, You know, I, last I think I talked to you guys was during the Bucks series. Uh, talked a lot about Kyrie and the Nets situations. Talked about Embiid and uh, the injury he was going through. But I'm going to do a lot of reflecting just because this is, you know, a day of emotions. It's kind of scares me and the rest of Boston Celtic fans that everyone's guaranteeing it, saying it's over, whether it's tonight, whether it's Sunday, saying the Heat don't have the strength to win two in a row, which is totally agreeable, totally true, especially with how Boston's been playing, knock on wood. But... You know, the main thing is the injuries for Miami, of course. Lowry's not himself. Uh, Tucker's playing through it. Butler's playing through it. And clearly Butler doesn't look the same. Bam, yeah, Rob Williams has his number, but he's not as aggressive. Um, Hero has his injury that he's been banged up for all series. It's looking like he's expected to not suit up tonight. Reported by Chris Haynes. Uh, Gabe Vincent's a little beat up. Max Struess, you can tell he is. He's been a brick. And I'm a huge fan of his, as people know. He's been a brick these past two games. Um, but Vincent looks like he hasn't lost a step. And I'm sure people who are watching this series could really agree. Um, but yeah, we're here. I mean, it's like the Celtics and Heat have had this sort of rivalry. I wrote a story about you know Pat Riley and Danny Ainge and it going way back to the 80s. Before this series really started, it kind of felt like every time we were at the finish line, like we saw in the bubble, the Heat stopped us. The Heat stopped us in 2012 because of LeBron. And then LeBron, of course, was the rest, stopping us in 17, stopping us in 18. So Boston fans like to correlate, you know, their two rivals together. Kind of like what they're doing with the Lakers and LeBron James. But, so... Yeah, like I said, very emotional night. I just can't believe we're here. I really can't. And especially being, you know, down to the Bucks, we have the Tatum game, his real, like, 46 LeBron outing. I think I remember in game six in Milwaukee. I remember saying this on the pod last time, I'm pretty sure. Um, But, yeah, and then down 2-1 to one to Miami because you can't turn the ball over against them and Victor Oladipo's. Uh, defense that he still shows elite signs of. And, yeah, this is not a team to be sloppy with the basketball uh, against with, you know, their grittiness, toughness, well-played defense. They have arguably the best coach in the league. I don't see who wouldn't agree with that. But, yeah, it's just... And especially Jalen Brown, someone who every single season and, you know, as he continues to get into veteran his veteran part of his career is his handle looks precise and beautiful each and every season and looks more and more elite, more and more phenomenal. But yeah, it's, you know, we've seen some signs this postseason where that they've kind of, you know, been all over and made him put it on the floor and it didn't go so well. But he's just better when he uses his strength and shooting like we saw in the second half in Miami the other night with those long range threes, that thunderous dunk. That kind of put the nail in the coffin. 
But, you know, I, I just got to reflect on it all, knowing that they're a game away from the finals. A finals we've really been waiting for, Celtic fans speaking for, um, since about 2016. You know, everyone knows that it was the closest matchup in the NBA points average-wise. It was like five or less. It was always a great matchup every time they saw each other, even with Isaiah Thomas, with Avery Bradley, with Jay Crowder, with Kevin Durant in uh, blue and gold, with Kyrie Irving. And just for throughout these years, it's just really always been a great matchup. With Kemba Walker, um, we'd always see those Marcus Smart, Avery Bradley lock down the backcourt of the Splash Brothers pretty well or whoever Marcus was next to. But Brad Stevens always played them well. Um, it's just similar styles. The elite defense, ball movement. Um, a lot of guys who have USA team uh, basketball Olympic experience. You know, the Jays, Marcus Smart, Derek White, Steve Kerr. Uh, of course, the Warriors' big three, including Jordan Poole with uh, championship pedigree. Um and one of my, I got to include this, one of my favorite coaches, too, really, Jeff Van Gundy, Mark Jackson, who I'm very excited to hear do the game in Boston again in an hour and a half. Everyone knows how much I love Kevin Harlan, but, you know, nothing beats Mike Breen, of course. But, so, all right, I'm going to turn it back a year ago. I started this podcast maybe, like, August and when I wasn't very good at this, when I was really shy, when I was more so on paper, when I wasn't that brief, I, what was it, like 59 minutes? I mean, it was called the Celtic Cinema. I went through, basically since the Isaiah Thomas team, like I just said, I went all the way back to 2016-17 around there. And then I talked about how the Kyrie, then took it, yeah, to the Kyrie trade, how it was like the craziest transaction ever if you're a Celtic fan like me and yeah just talked about like how it's just been a movie year by year um that's why I call it a Celtic cinema and how it yeah just year after year just unfortunate event uh of course being on the doorstep of the conference finals and you know being plagued with injury whether it be the Hayward thing whether it be the Kyrie Irving Isaiah Thomas karma uh, you know, Marcus Smart's injuries, uh, Gordon Hayward, you guys get the point. But, yeah, when I started this, it was kind of, I started, I actually did my first podcast with KJ Doyle. I haven't talked to him in a while. If you're listening to this, he's the boy. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're enjoying this run. He is the chief and editor for Guy Boston Sports that I write for. So he asked me to go on his podcast we talked about Brad moving to the front office. We talked about the transactions the, the team could do. We talked about what it's going to mean for who is coming in to coach. We didn't know it would be Udoka. We thought it could be Sam Cassell. We thought it could be Chauncey Billups, two former Celtics, two guys who are also well-respected coaches. Chauncey Billups, yeah, someone could argue that, but he'll only improve. And, of course, the organization he's at. But anyways... Um, I remember we had a discussion that was like, you know, is should Celtics brass or just 
you know, their front office be worried that, like, if they were to hire a coach, maybe Brad Stevens has the Pat Riley or Greg Popovich fever or itch, really, to just be back on the sidelines and do both. Run, run it as president, be the coach still, which would have been cool. I mean, I thought the whole transaction was beautiful in general. I was comparing it to Moneyball, one of my favorite movies, because Ainge sat up there and he was like, I, we think this is best. Brad lives the game. He's a basketball junkie. Uh, everything he's doing revolves around the game. And then when Brad stepped up to the microphone, he was just like, yeah, like I love the city of Boston. I love the Celtics. I don't think he said it in this very quote, but we've heard him say in the past, like, I'm a mass hole. Like, last season, when there was a rumor of him going to Indiana, he's like, I'm a mass hole. I love the Patriots. I eat Dunkin'. And you hear him in this press when he took over the front office role. He's just like, I love the Celtics. I only care about their success and what it means to be a Boston Celtic. Uh, like, you could tell he was just a huge fan, you know, motivated to take us back to the promised land. That, again, knock on wood, hopefully we get the job done tonight and we're back for the first time since 2010 and the matchup we've been highly anticipating, like I said. But, yeah, it's kind of, like, you could see it in the moves. His first move as president, he brings back a fan favorite in Al Horford, who Jackson, Mark Jackson, Van Gundy, um, and Mike Breen continue to praise how amazing of a trade that was, along with myself throughout this whole season, literally, and, and the playoffs, how amazing of a trade that really was for the Boston Celtics and getting him back. Uh, getting rid of Kemba Walker's contract and his money. And it's just like people forgot about what Al Horford provides, especially what he meant to this group on the defensive. He got a defensive player of the year vote. Uh, I think he got a vote for an all-defensive team too. It's just we see what he's done in the playoffs. We saw the game where he had 30 against Milwaukee. Um, We saw how much Boston missed him and Marcus Smart game one in Miami and then the bounce back it was really beautiful on the defensive end but that just showed me like okay yeah he's he's like a fan like us and yeah he it's like Peter Brandt Jonah Hill and Moneyball it's just like he's just a junkie and he just loves the team in the city so yeah me and KJ uh talked about it when we did the pod uh, talked about a m- bunch of different scenarios that could happen. And it was just a surprise. Like, obviously, it was one random morning in the summer. I didn't expect to wake up and see that Danny Ainge was... Of course, it was a rumor that he could resign or retire, but I didn't expect, you know, just it to happen the next day after the uh, season concluded, I'm pretty sure, when they got spanked by the Brooklyn Nets last year. And the opposite happened this year but so the season goes on me and one of my best friends go to opening night uh we make easy transactions we bring in guys that are suitable fits the next to Tatum and Brown and um Dennis Schroeder Josh Richardson two guys that I like a lot still and always will great teammates um Ennis Canner who we thought that could really rejuvenate a Celtics career after what he did in the year in Portland the year before. 
Um, playing with a little bit of a short bench, we knew that they had the summer Celts with how Pritchard and Neesmith just performed. Obviously, fans look back now and think, what was Udoka and the rest of the staff doing not playing Pritchard through this whole Schroeder tenure or even the beginning of the year? They have that opening night thriller that me and my best friend or one of my best friends were at at Madison Square Garden. Um, double overtime game. Marcus Smart hits the three to tie. Tatum falls down when he gets the inbound. Or, yeah, receives it in the, in the paint. Gives it back to Dennis Schroeder. Makes the unselfish play, hits Marcus on the wing, three-pointer. Basically, bad mistake by Kemba Walker, if I remember correctly. Kind of backed off him a little, but Smart swishes it, sends it to OT. Then we go through a lot of other heartbreaks. We blow, as every fan remembers, uh, what Game 5 in Boston um, against Milwaukee, really reminded us of, even though that one was a lot more severe, back in November when nothing was going right and they blew that 19-point lead in the fourth quarter to the Chicago Bulls, who were still healthy and playing their best basketball at the time and at the top of the Eastern Conference. Um, you know, it, it, it bad loss after bad loss continued to happen. Uh, maybe till about the beginning of January, as everyone knows. Everyone was on the hot seat. That was the biggest thing coming in after what we saw last year. It was like, yeah, Tatum and Brown are young, but can they do this together? And these are two pieces that, as everyone knows, any front office would love to have run their team. Not just saying these two specific guys. Well, I mean, they're showing it now. But I just mean in general, like, two wings that play both sides that do it all that can assist and make their teammates better. And I've been saying to others, besides them, you know, eventually discovering that their later having uh, and performing has one of the best defenses we maybe have seen ever, it's just their precise ball movement. Tatum and Brown became more playmakers. Everything Udoka was preaching when he took the seat as the head coach was you know the next step in their career was making those around them better and we saw in the beginning that they would force a lot and not do that and it happened a lot when Marcus Smart was on the floor with Dennis Schroeder <laughs> and yeah so we just kept searching for answers and then come I guess mid-January was when they started to turn around once they got healthy like the whole team says everything changed and the game everyone looks back on two games actually is the New Year's Eve one against Phoenix where they blew them out and I want to say I want I think it might have been Tatum out with COVID pretty sure but um yeah they're missing guys in a big piece I think Rob might have had a crazy line triple double whatever it was like monstrous stat line but yeah so they they the Suns obviously were running away with the league at the time as the new year was about to happen. And with the way the Celtics were dropping games, I'm pretty sure the game before that, they made, what, four for 42 from three. And I was crying about it to Rich uh, against the Clippers at home. And then, yeah, they, they, I think Horford and the rest of the group always says, you know, we look back at that Phoenix game. I look back at January 6th or whatever it was when they played the New York Knicks at the Garden and blew the 25-point lead 
Evan Fournier, former Celtic, is <laughs> only hitting shots against Boston, nailing every single three, contested or not, fade away or not, fall away to the sideline. Like, shots that looked impossible. And then the Barrett buzzer beater, well defended by Tatum, in his grill. And I could just tell it was in. I was also with that best friend who was a diehard New York Knicks fan um, that night. So two just heartbreaking losses at the Garden for them this year. But, uh, yeah, that game was something, man. And then the next day on first take, you got Perk and Stephen A and them talking about, is this more of a win for the Knicks or is this just the Celtics just, you know, looking really just off and looking like they deserve to be just dismantled. And Kendrick Perkins has, you know, a lot of casuals may think, oh, he's just like a biased Celtic guy. No, he was on board. He was like with the rest of the media saying it. I think Jalen Rose was the only guy to be like, why would you break up Tatum and Brown? You get you get someone to calm things down around them and you build around them like they're young. And look how great they are. You don't just... It would be the dumbest thing of the Boston Celtics to ever do. And Perk was saying it. He was like, nah, they can't play together. Um, you know, and then they're on the hot seat. Marcus Smart's on the hot seat. Because, again, maybe like a point guard, people were assuming to calm things down around them. Ime Udoka was on the hot seat. And, you know, January continued. They got healthy. Udoka continued to make the right decisions do good things at a timeout. Uh, the things we saw Brad Stevens really do at his best. The out-of-timeout plays, the substitutions. They, he stopped playing. First of all, when Schroeder was on the team for the next month and a half, he stopped playing him next to Smart. So that was huge. Um, cut down his minutes a little. That was the whole rumor entering the deadline was like people knew Schroeder was available. $5 million, looking to get his money back in the summer. And could help a team that was trying to win as well. Like, whether it be off the bench. And like I've been saying, he's gonna. it's going to be interesting to see who bids on him this summer. Whether it be New York, whether it be maybe back in Atlanta, off the bench, something like that. Um, obviously, he won't get the money he once desired and thought he could make. But, you know, a point guard that's a capable scorer and a once six-man-of-the-year candidate, the year of the bubble. But... And a cool guy as well. Great teammate. But, so then Josh Richardson even starts to, like, pick it up a little on offense. He shows he can be a floor spacer like he said he could be down the stretch. He said this back in January. I wrote a story about him. I'm pretty sure. I thought he could be a good piece as a protector for the Jays and floor spacer. Like I just said, uh, you know, come May, come this time of year, if, if they were to pick it up. And, you know, the media kept saying, is it just Boston playing mediocre teams? Teams like the Pistons, teams like the Magic, teams like Charlotte, like stuff like that. And then, no, they started to beat the elite teams. Uh, the best of the bunch, the Sixers. Um, my bad, I'm trying to remember correctly. <laughs> I'm trying to think of who we played in, like, March and stuff like that. That one win against Atlanta, Super Bowl Sunday, that was huge. Um, they went on that West Coast trip, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, Golden State. Um, 
the one game they lost was the one game I was at in Boston when they fell to Dallas on KG night when Dinwiddie hit the dagger. I remember saying it on this. I said it on the Sports Bible. But, yeah, they really just showed, like, hey, like, everyone's like, are the Celtics contenders? And they really just continued to open eyes. What happens come deadline, um, there's, like, little rumors. I mean, people didn't expect anything crazy to happen just because it was... apologize, I was getting a call, but a lot of, uh, you know, shrewder rumors of his contract and really it just never being a long-term relationship. Everyone just knew he was the piece to be moved. There was some Richardson noise, um, even though he got extended by Brad. Um, Marcus Smart, not really. Uh, we just, we knew he wasn't available, but we knew if anything, it would take a significant haul. There was rumors of like, can Boston add shooting and like a Kevin Herter or Buddy Heald, Derek White. So I was like, all right, um, this is a guy. I was preaching this on both pods after it happened. This is a guy that they, that the Celtics core Udoka, they met him in that Team USA camp, and Udoka had him. Will Hardy had him in San Antonio, so then he built this relationship with the Celtics core already. Brad Stevens openly admits, like, yeah, he's a guy we've looked at for a while. He checks off a lot of boxes, as Udoka says. He does a lot of good things, and he fits in how we want to play. And everyone sees it right now. Like, he gets perfect, open, good looks. They might not always fall, which they haven't been for the most part, unless he really take. I'm talking about from three. Unless he really takes it to the rim. We saw in my he was the him and Horford were the heroes last game, in the first half in Miami, and then it was the Jays that really closed it out. But him going to the rim always makes some terrific passes, the right pass. Bill Simmons and his dad compared him to, to a, a postseason reliever in the MLB. I like that one because he can give you a heart attack sometimes on offense, but he's smart. He he makes the right pass, the right board keep run a little point guard like he just makes the right play and he's a terrific fit with moving the ball with defending multiple positions and I knew it was a good acquisition even if they did give up a first round pick because you're not you're looking for veteran help you're not looking for kids you're looking for added pieces to the core so then Brad brings in Daniel Tice and unloads that Schroeder deal Unloads Ennis Freedom, unloads Bruno Fernando, guys that never saw the floor. I was high on Freedom coming into the year, but it's like with this switching defense, you're one of the worst defenders ever. You don't fit in. Tice does because he, that's why he's valuable. He covers multiple positions. He's like a 50% of Rob Williams type of player and can do a little pick and pop, a little explosiveness inside sometimes. He can block shots, and yeah, that's just his biggest thing. He can guard the perimeter and guard multiple positions. But, yeah, so it kind of just, <laughs> it was all just coming into full circle with the Celtics bringing all these people back. Horford, uh, Tice, I feel like I'm forgetting someone, sadly. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that's it. It's just... The reunion between everyone in the core. This is this is a big portion of why they're making this run. It's just, you know, the like the Warriors, all the opportunities they've had together over the years. 
uh, stuff like that. And just, you know, just constantly being at the doorstep, even with Horford not there. It's just, he's a huge part to this court. All he's ever wanted was to win with this group. And it was, you know, it was tough when he went to Philly. Um, he expected Boston to have their concerns on him more. But the the idea was to give him a team-friendly deal. I might have said this during the Celtic Cinema when I was going back on the years. But, yeah, it's just they never made him the biggest priority. And he thought he could win in Philadelphia with the way things... He didn't think we were going to get Kemba Walker, too. He thought Kyrie was going to leave and maybe we would just start fresh. But, you know, Danny Ainge was still aggressive and we tried. And, yeah, so then... And we're here, man. <laughs> we sweep Brooklyn. We take down the champs in seven. Uh, blow them out in that game seven without Middleton even. Uh, in game six, tonight in Boston. Like, it's the opportunity is right there. I have a men's league game Sunday night, so I'm praying that they pull it out in game six tonight. Um... Yeah, it's just unbelievable. I remember, I always say that the Celtics lost to the Lakers in 2010 was my biggest heartbreak, probably, because up 13 at half, game seven, Garnett really needs some help on the interior. Oh, he has his big baby. Um, who I did see, <laughs> Logan Paul, or Logan or Jake, whoever it is who fights, I, I don't know. I'm just focused on this game, man. But whoever it is, they wanted to box Big Baby and fight them. But that's actually funny. But yeah, the Bynum and Gasol just and Garnett's lack of help. Ron Artest hits the shot. Kobe comes up clutch. But yeah, it's just you know it finally it just I can't believe it. And again, knock on wood for the third time. Let's hope they get the job done. But here we are, and the amount of times where. You know, this team absolutely broke me. I've been tweeting it nonstop. This team absolutely broke me in December, January, under 500. Everyone was on the hot seat. Now we're pulling off the unpredictable. We took the hardest route. Thank you, Ime Udoka. Thank you, Brad Stevens. And, you know, I just want to see Brad with the biggest smile on his face tonight, potentially winning with Jason Tatum or Jason Tatum being the award winner for it, but holding, you know, standing next to Jason Tatum while he's holding the trophy. That's what I want to say. We saw Steph Curry win the Magic Johnson one. It's only destined that Tatum wins this one. It's really... <laughs> I can't believe this. I re I'm expecting a lot of emotions tonight. Like, I might cry. And, like especially cry even harder if they were to win the title. This is just the series we've always been waiting for. Great basketball between both teams. And I just can't believe it. I really can't with, you know, everyone just like the whole year in the beginning is Tatum and Brown, Tatum and Brown, Tatum and Brown, like through the whole under 500 thing. And then, you know, Tatum, you, we heard Tatum on J.J. Reddick's pod. He was just like, you know, me and J.B. Have, a lot, have had a lot more success in the past. Like, we're young. Like, the grass isn't always greener. There's not a lot of guys better than me and JB. And he was right. <laughs> he was certainly right. And 
you know, Boston, I'm just speechless. They made their rotation shorter even last game. Like, I talked about Pritchard before. They left him out a little bit. Um, they started to finally play him, rightfully so, when Dennis was out the door, along with White off the bench. White's like the new sixth starter. Tice doesn't even need to play. Obviously, we got the Grant Williams game. He's probably one of the finest surprises of this entire season. I talked about opening night in New York. He was he, When they were down 10 in the end of the fourth, Grant Williams kind of brought them back with his open corner threes, kind of like what the Bucks were doing um, in Game 7 in Boston that Sunday afternoon. But this is just... <laughs> This is, I'm sorry, but this is why I haven't been doing this for, like, a week or two, guys. It's just, I just can't believe we're here. And, like, I'm just soaking it in. And, you know, we have a job to finish tonight. And, really, this is all I've been waiting for the last <laughs> 12 years. And, you know, there's... I'm sure everyone knows my phone just gets blown up every game, every big game. And, you know, I see a lot of diehard fans that are like, you know, thank you, like, to those guys, like, Canner, Freedom, I'm sorry, Richardson, uh, Schroeder. It's just, those were, like, great fits of teammates, and, like, they paved the way for, like, this to happen. And just the unpredictable, like, it was, as every Celtic media member knows, it just, like, it was, they broke me. Like, they were looking dead in the water, everyone on the hot seat, like I said. And it's just, like, if you were to tell me they'd be back in the conference finals this year, I would have said, you might be on drugs. Like, <laughs> they would have made the playoffs and maybe made some noise. I don't know if they would have been back in the final four. But here we are. All right, a game away. I'll probably be back within this week or the next few days, of course, uh, if they pull this out. Fourth knock on one. I will be back before the game one against Golden State uh, Thursday, June 2nd. I actually was fooled. I, my dad was asking me if it was in Boston. And knowing that they were the three seed and we were the two, I was guaranteeing a yes. But then <laughs> I looked it up. They got two more wins than us. So, yeah, man. Um, we're here. A lot of emotion. I'm about to put my jersey on. I'm about to get ready. Start watching Wilbon, Greenberg, Stephen A., Jalen Rose. Again, shout out him for believing in the duo and our crew. But, and they really just had the right staff for it. Like, Will Hardy, Spurs assistant with Udoka defensive-minded also on Team USA Ben Sullivan um he was with Atlanta with Schroeder and Horford has a lot of playoff experience it's a defensive-minded gritty team and they're all on the same page and Jason Tatum I can't just I just can't describe how grateful we are for him and you know I'm seeing some writers say like if Boston was to win it this year and, like, if they close it out tonight and finally make the finals, I've been saying to people, I'll cry tonight, like I said, and I'll cry even harder if they win it. But Danny Ainge deserves the biggest, like, 
tip of the hat. You know, forget about Tatum Brown, Smart, Robert Williams, Grant Williams, Peyton Pritchard, uh, Daniel Tice. <laughs> like, his vision is just incredible. And, like, no one really listened when I would just say it over the years. Like, the Isaiah Thomas trade. Trading down for Tatum. Shout out Nick Gelso of CLNS, Celtics Media. I haven't talked to him in a while. We were tweeting at each other, remembering the podcast we did on here back in January when they really, like, were hurting us and we're really broken. And once they were up 3-0 on Brooklyn or beat Brooklyn, I remember, like, we were just in celebratory mode tweeting at each other. But, all right, yeah, (laughs) I think I'm done rambling. Tonight's the night. I think it's what I'm going to title this. Um, yeah, shout out all the people I mentioned. KJ Doyle and Nick Gelso. Uh, a couple best friends. Yeah, I mean, we're an hour away, guys. Go Celtics. Let's do this. I appreciate everyone listening. And, yeah, I'll be back. Let's go Seas. <laughs>